Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from other parts of the planet. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, right, Myanmar, we're going to go to uh, first. And a, a Swiss national has been accused of offending Buddhism. Absolutely. So, as you know, the um, country, Myanmar, has been ruled by the military junta since uh, February of 2021 after a small break uh, where they dabbled yes. with democracy and decided they didn't like it. Um, so they're not big into their free speech and um, slagging off the local religion really is not encouraged either. I mean, 90% of the country is uh, Buddhist. Right. Okay? So okay. Uh, they have, you know, strong laws against uh, offending the religion. And so this particular Swiss man, a man by the name of Didier Nussbaumer, he's a 52-year-old filmmaker. and I believe he's a Buddhist himself. And I think he's lived there for quite a number of years at this stage, 15 or 16, uh, 15 or 16 years. Right. So so he he knows the lay of the land. He probably knew what he was doing. And he made a movie, which is a 75 minute movie called Don't Expect Anything, which he posted to YouTube uh, towards the end of July. Now, I had a look at a clip of it because there's a few clips going around the place. It's not great, to be honest with you. Right. But the one scene that I did see was there's a young girl a 12-year-old uh, actress who's sitting bes- uh, down in front of a monk and he's she's basically slagging the monk off, saying, you're not living a good life. You sh- you're not living about it like a monk. You know, all you're interested in is money and this kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So this was the type of thing that offended the censors, shall we call them, uh, in Myanmar. And so this 52-year-old director, writer and editor was arrested along with 13 other people that were involved in the shoot. Oh, 13 gosh. people from Myanmar, including that 12-year-old girl, that I've already referenced. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to her, but if we go on the back of things that we've seen before, right, uh, and we have seen people, foreigners in particular, who have been sent to prison and have done prison time in the past for this kind of thing, I think this guy could be in quite a bit of trouble, right? So back in 2015, a Kiwi was sentenced to two and a half years uh, with hard labour for insulting Buddhism by simply showing a psychedelic depiction of the Buddha wearing DJ-style headphones, right? He was promoting a DJ night. Two and a half years he got for that. He didn't do all the time, but he was deported the following year. 2016, a Dutch tourist was sentenced to three months with hard labour for unplugging a loudspeaker being used by Buddhist monks to broadcast a late-night sermon in Mandalay. And you could kind of forgive him for that, (laughs) but they weren't happy with that. And then in the same year, 2016, I I think we might have covered this one, actually, a Spanish tourist was deported from Myanmar after authorities found a tattoo of Buddha on his leg. So they take this stuff really seriously. And when you consider that this guy went about, made a movie, knew exactly what he was doing, I think he could be seeing the inside of a jail for a good few years. Yeah, and it's amazing he didn't know that, given he well, lived there for such a long yeah, time. But that's that's it. that's the thing about it, and I don't see how he's 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 going to get out of this. I, I know the Swiss embassy has got involved, mm. uh, and that has this has got quite a bit of coverage, you know, internationally. But I, I I don't know if it's going to come to to his aid. These guys in this military junta, they couldn't care less about what the international community think. Yeah, and all the people in it were Buddhists, though. They were, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, all right. So yeah, I suppose it was being a wee bit critical of Buddhism, but but wasn't setting out to offend particularly. Oh, well, it was a critique, shall yeah. we say. Okay. But it wasn't yeah. offensive in in a kind of repugnant way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was yeah. it was critiquing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to go to uh, China next, or at least the, the body of water in between uh, China and Japan. 
uh, whereas uh, China has, uh, has banned seafood from Japan. Yeah, so this goes off the back of mm. the news last week that uh, China was uh, tipping uh, water that had been in the Fukushima nuclear power plant uh, for a long time back into the sea. Yeah. Um, they said that it was cleaned and it's all been passed off by the International Atomic Energy Agency as, as being clean. It's gone through this great process. But the Chinese aren't happy about it. And it should be said that they had a ban in place from 10 various regions in and around Japan for a long time. This is seafood that were coming from these 10 regions before. But when this happened, they took it further and introduced a blanket ban, right? So that's going to affect over 700 uh, Japanese food exporters. And it caused a bit of panic in China and South Korea. Uh, People went out and started buying sea salt and it was clean off the shelves because they didn't know... Uh, you know, A, if it was going to be clean, the new stuff that was coming in, yeah. and B, if they yeah. were going to get any of it. Um, but it's interesting to compare the reaction of China and South Korea. China, as you said, introduced this blanket ban, no seafood whatsoever. The South Koreans, a little bit more sedate. They're saying, we're going to take your food, but before we actually bring it into the country properly, we're going to test it and we're going to ramp up the tests to see if there's any poison yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, that we don't seems, want to bring into the country. Yeah. So it's an interesting sort of take on, on, on the effects of that um, that outpouring. For yes. for, yeah, well, indeed, yeah. To use is, a pun. Is just, there's just an abundance of caution on, on the part of China. There isn't any other agenda. Do, yeah, do you know what it is? It's completely political. This is China basically saying, you see, you see what happens if we don't control these waters. People come in and they abuse it. And uh, they have accused the Japanese in the past of using the ocean as their their dumping ground, whereas, of course, the Chinese say that they treat it with the utmost respect. Um, So uh, it is very political, I would say, because, as I said, and that's the reason that initial ban is important uh, that they that they made around those 10 regions before. Right. There's no need really to ramp it up that much. It's just basically saying what you've done here is irresponsible. We would never have done this. So we're going to hit you where it hurts in your pocket. Right. Okay. Uh, Right. Kenya, we're going to go to next. And uh, this is an interesting one. A man's been fined after he revealed his friend's alleged HIV status. Yeah. And that needs to be underlined because the man is denying that he uh, lives with HIV at all. Um, So this was in Kenya, as you say. And uh, the plaintiff uh, said that uh, the perpetrator sent a message into a WhatsApp group of 170 people, a bunch of his friends, and said, "Okay, this guy has HIV. Now, I I don't know the context of this, whether it was some sort of meant to be some sort of sick joke that went out into the group and then escalated, or if there was just sort of slagging going on and he went, well, you have HIV. And it seems to have been taken seriously anyway. The rumour spread from outside of the WhatsApp group and went into his local community to the extent that his wife wouldn't sleep with him anymore. She moved into a separate bedroom. People in his local church wouldn't sit beside him. So people took it very seriously. And obviously this guy was very upset. He's had to go for counselling. So he took this case to a very interesting organisation called the HIV and AIDS Tribunal in Kenya. This was a thing that was set up in 2006, and it's basically mandated to adjudicate cases relating to violations of HIV-related human rights, right? So it's an interesting thing. I think it's unique in the world, as far as I know. And um, they basically ruled that uh, the person who'd sent the message into the WhatsApp group was liable uh, and uh, for 850,000 shillings, which is the equivalent of about 5,000 euros. And under the Constitution, Article 31 of the Constitution, it's very clear that everyone has a right to confidentiality regarding personal information. 
uh, and if he wanted to divulge the information, which incidentally, as you, uh, sorry, which as you mentioned before, was wrong, yeah. that he should have got the permission of this particular person. Um, but there was no permission to grant because obviously he doesn't it have didn't any exist. Journey. Right. Yeah. Okay. How oh, interesting. Uh, right. The UK, another really strange one. Uh, now, uh, this is the UK we're going to go to now uh, about a woman who uh, posed as a man and, and uh, kissed a girl. So mm-hmm. let's start off with who this woman was. Okay, her name is Georgia Billum. Uh, she's 21. Uh, she's from Chester or near Chester. And she actually met the victim a good few years ago when they were about 14 or 15. Uh, they share uh, same similar friends. They met outside of McDonald's, chatted for half an hour. And then shortly after, this woman, Georgia Billum, set up uh, an alter ego, George Parry, right? He used a picture of a, a, a boy with mm. blonde hair. They got in touch, but things didn't go well those few years ago. And then four or five years later, they got in touch again and they started this conversation, right? Now, bear in mind, George Parry started this conversation with the victim mm-hmm. who happened to be very short-sighted, okay? okay? To the extent that she couldn't see when she took her glasses off. They began talking and then they began dating. And on the third date, and this is a critical part, actually, on the 11th of May, 2021, two things happened. They had their first kiss, okay? And George Parry, a.k.a. Georgia, the girl, mm-hmm. uh, crashed her car. All right. Now, it was obviously quite a bad crash because the police came along and over the radio, the policeman could be heard radioing in the name Georgia. Yeah. The victim heard this and later that night, bear in mind they'd shared the first kiss that same night, later that night sent this woman, Georgia, a text saying, are you a woman? If so, what the F are you doing, you know, messing me around or whatever. Georgia denied that she was a woman. The victim believed her and the relationship continued for a number of months. They went from May to August of 2021. Now, in the end, it was the mother of the victim who copped on that Georgia was a woman, okay? And the whole story broke open. She was uh, arrested and charged. There were 17 charges brought against her but only one of them stood. And that was uh, sexual assault and, uh, let's say, brackets for kissing kissing yes. the victim. The reason the other uh, 16 charges didn't stand up was because there was a doubt in the mind of the victim from the day of the crash onwards, and yet she continued okay. the sexual relationship. And that was what the defence basically they said, you know, before the crash, there was no doubt in the victim's mind that the perpetrator was male. But after the crash, there was. So the jury, therefore, should have the same doubt. Right. OK. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> now, was it the case that the, the, the victim of all this, she just wasn't wearing her glasses all the time and so couldn't... couldn't so this, this is one of the weird parts of the, the reporting of this, right? And, and again, I went five or six, seven mm. or eight different sources for this. It appears that every time they met, Billum, uh, Georgia Billum would say to her, take off your glasses. And I assume she said something like, you look so much better without them on or some right. rubbish okay. like that. Yeah. Georgia Billum would always wear a hoodie even when they were in bed together. Right. Uh, And obviously, so she basically said this because she was paranoid uh, because she had these she had these connections with Albanian gangsters. Right. So a complete spoofer who made up the story that unfortunately was believed by this by this poor girl who was more or less the same age as her. She's 20 now. Okay, now. And uh, was it uh, was Georgia asked, 
are you trans? Do, yeah. you, uh, uh, do you want to, you know, uh, um, move she, over to being a male? Yeah, or? she she was actually asked that during the trial by her defence lawyer, I think. And she said no, that she didn't want it. And that she did when she was going through the relationship think that maybe she was gay, but now she thinks she's straight or she okay. is straight. That's what she's saying. My word. Mm. So in, in the end, it was only one chart stuck. What did she get for doing uh, all this? She got 24 months community order, but she's on the sexual offenders list now for five years as well, okay. which is the worst part of it. Yeah. What a bizarre yeah. story. Uh, right. Um uh, Iraq we're going to go to finally and they've turned off the advertising boards there. <laughs> you do see these kind of stories every now and again. You, you just wonder, would they not secure these advertising Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously the person who had access to these advertising hoardings, you know, he was he was able to control it. So this was a man in Iraq, in Baghdad specifically, with a gripe. Uh, it appears that he was having some financial issues with the company that runs the advertising screens. And in an effort to get back at them, he put up a porn uh, in the middle of one of the busiest squares (laughs) in Baghdad. And you can imagine that that caused quite a consternation. Now, it was only up there for about two or three minutes and then it was taken down. Uh, But the guy has been arrested and he could be in serious trouble. Uh, Not as bad as if he had been in neighbouring Iran, but that's a different story. But under, under Article 403 of the Penal Code, which deals with immodest and shameful acts, he could be fined or go to jail for up to two years. And I think he probably will because it was such a public, uh, yeah. you know, a, a public scandal. Yeah, that shows them. Uh, well done uh, from your prison uh, prison cell. Uh, right, so Jonathan, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, a few things to look out for on August the 30th, which is that tomorrow, Wednesday? Uh, that is tomorrow, yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. the La Tomatina, which is taking place in that uh, town in Bunal in Spain, where everybody goes into a square and fires tomatoes at each other. <laughs> Have you seen that before? You've never seen <laughs> no, that before? No, no. It's one of those bizarre Is Spanish... Is it a waste of good tomatoes? It, it's I, to celebrate the harvest, as far as I know. Okay, and uh, And yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. You should yeah. look it up. It's, 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 uh, it's very good fun. Uh, till someone loses an eye, as they yes. say. And then September the 1st, uh, presidential elections in Singapore. And then Russia and Turkish foreign ministers are going to meet soon. We don't know when exactly, but we think this week on the grain deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. To get the Turks again. really want to get that going again. And at the same time talk about, uh, you know, maybe peace talks. Talk about peace talks. Let's see what happens. We'll see. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.